Welcome to the Wealth Doc Podcast with Mike Heckman from Sabo Point Wealth Management. In this podcast, Mike helps business owners, medical professionals, and retirees develop strategies to help preserve, protect, and pass on their wealth. Using practical strategies, Mike acts as your lighthouse keeper to guide your path of converting business assets into retirement income and inheritance funding. We don't like that shipwrecked feeling of not having enough, and you shouldn't either. Join Mike and get ready to explore the tools you need to manage your business efficiently, build its value, and have fun doing it. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Wealth Doc Podcast with your host, Mike Heckman. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Oh, doing fantastic, Wendy. Great to be here. Thanks for coming. Uh, well, we have a guest today, right? Yes. yes. Uh, Attorney Blake Reamer from uh, Ludington has joined us in our Ludington office, uh, now become studio here. So uh, thanks, Blake, for coming. No, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Well, uh, so you are an attorney in Ludington. So like, let's start off like uh, how long you've been an attorney and uh, and why did you become an attorney? Yes. Uh, so I had gone to Michigan State for law school and I graduated in 2018, took the bar exam. That was a grueling exam, but very happy to say that I obviously had passed that and I was able to move on to practice. I then came back home to Ludington where I grew up here and decided to uh, hang my own shingle and and start my own practice. Uh, so I opened up in around June of 2020. So less than ideal time to start with COVID going on, but was able to actually be beneficial because it allowed me to kind of slow things down and and start up. And then so ever since 2020 in June, I've, I've been in the same position. I had an attorney join me and some staff. So we're, we're kind of growing and it's uh, it's been a great blessing to be back here in my hometown and uh, serve the community. Yeah, a little more about that. So, so you grew up here, but then like when you went away to law school and then came back, so you could have opened that shingle anywhere. So, so why did you pick Ludington? Yeah, I, I had thought about for a little bit moving to Grand Rapids and and starting there. I think just due to the size of the town, too. I mean, I've moved to, to several different uh, areas between Grand Rapids, you know, Lansing. I lived in Nashville for a little bit. And I, I really enjoyed the small town feel, the people here. Um, and I felt like I'd be best suited with my skills to bring them back home here and be a part of the town again. Fantastic. So I when I talk to attorneys, I, I, I always find it fascinating. So you guys have to do the grad school, you know, for law, obviously, but then you've got a lot of freedom or leeway as far as like what, what you can do in your undergrad. And so what did you end up studying for your undergrad before you started doing law? I'm curious. So I had probably one of the more unique undergrad degrees in law school. So I'd originally gone to uh, Ferris for criminal justice. I, I did that first semester and kind of realized that it, it wasn't the route I wanted to go after I got into it a little more. I had looked around at a couple other degree options and I settled on music industry management. So music I had, industry management. Yes, yes. So that that I guess is what led me also to go to Nashville and while I was there for a bit, uh, working with a record label and some artist managements, and it, it was an eye opening event. So I don't think it really contributed a whole lot to my my law schooling or besides just some unique experiences. But that is, like you said, the unique thing is your undergrad 
really could be anything uh, when you're going to law school. Yeah, uh, I, I was thinking about that, uh, bringing you in because we, we've worked together before. And I'm like, you know, I don't even know what his is. <laughs> <laughs> and if I had a top 10 list on my guesses, that would not have been on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's fantastic. So so in your practice now, you, you focus primarily on estate planning. Is that correct? Yep, that's my main focus is estate planning. Uh, it's uh, from the start, I've I've focused on that and, and have only grown from it um, and continue to to get more training and, and more experience as I go on. So uh, I really do enjoy the area of law. Okay. So, so like backing up for like the 2000 square foot for somebody who might not have like worked with somebody like you or me in the past, you know, so, so like right off the bat, like what is estate planning? How would you define that? So estate planning is, is obviously a, a pretty generalistic term, but there's, many different facets you can include there. Um, typically when a client comes in and, and they, they say, you know, I, I would like an estate plan. And I said, all right, well, do you have anything set up? And typically, you know, maybe an older will was set up or something else, but really the goal uh, that's always brought uh, forward from the client's perspective is, is typically probate avoidance or a, a way to easily distribute assets after they've passed um, or even setting up power of attorneys to avoid having to do a guardianship conservatorship. So really it's future planning. It's a lot of what ifs when you're looking through an estate plan, um, but it could range from you know, a will, a trust, your durable power of attorney for health or um, financial, even funeral directives. So there's many ins and outs, um, but it's really focused around planning. So with our, our business owner folks that are tuning in, uh, so if, I'm coming in to see you as a business owner. What should business owners think about for their estate plans? Yeah, definitely. As a business owner, you want to think about uh, estate planning. If Even if you're a, a sole owner or have a partner with you or several partners, you're going to want to really plan again for those what if moments down the road. If that's you becoming incapacitated or passing, it's always good to have a plan in place to allow for a smooth transition. You know, I, I think that the succession planning is is very, very important um, and should be looked at early on so people aren't scrambling uh, as business owners to figure out what do we do if someone's not here? So backing up to that last thing you said, you know, as far as like, uh, you know, like sometimes that's setting up like a trust or what or whatnot. So I'm thinking we're going to have listeners here that don't know like a basic difference between like a trust and a will. So like uh, uh, without going too deep into the weeds, you know, so what would you say is like the main difference between a trust and a will? Yeah. So a trust typically is going to cost more than will. So there's that one point, there's a price point difference, but there also is a lot, a lot of benefits of a trust that a will doesn't have. I guess starting with a will though, a will is basically you're giving directions to the court and to the beneficiaries and your personal representative of what you want done with your property after you've passed. If you were to pass without a will, which would be intestate, the court then would just look at the state law and say, this is how distribution of the property will be. So you kind of lose your ability to pick your beneficiary. Um, it's pretty formulaic on how it, it goes out intestate. Um, whereas a, a trust there's a lot more unique controls that you can basically have from the grave, I guess, for lack of a better term, um, that allows you to um, 
you know, give to charities, um, to many beneficiaries, and you avoid probate. So you stay out of court. So it's private. It is cheaper on the uh, distribution portion. Uh, again, it's very subjective and depends on your estate. Um, but the trust is really a good way to avoid that probate uh, that I know people are very uh, afraid to have to go through. So if I just heard you correctly, so if I passed away without making my own estate plan, the government's got one for me. If I create my estate plan, I've given these probate guys at least an idea of what I wanted. And then if I set up a trust, you know, then I've now uh, set it up so that I bypass probate and it's, it's cheaper to distribute is what I just heard. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's in my opinion, a, a trust is a, a cleaner way of kind of centralizing all of your assets and letting whoever you appoint as trustee know, Hey, here's my beneficiaries. Here are the assets that you're able to distribute or hold on to. Maybe even there is it's not, again, not dive too deep. There is a whole slew of different kinds of trust that can be created depending on your desire and goal. Awesome. So with the estate plan, we're talking about like what happens after we pass. So like, what are the benefits while I'm still here, you know, for setting up an estate plan? Yeah. So again, I kind of, as I pointed out earlier, you could have your power of attorney set up, um, which are always included with your estate plans or should be at least. Um, and that avoids uh, the need for a guardian conservatorship through core intervention. And that would be if you you know, were injured or incapacitated and you need someone to step in and take care of your finances, pay your bills. Uh, or make those those medical decisions for you. And again, that goes with uh, business owners too. You want to make sure you have someone to step in and and help care for that business and keep it running. And and for the the trust, I think it's still beneficial as well during your lifetime to have that set up. There's some perks there of of having those assets again all in one place um, and well known. And it, it's always great to talk to the beneficiaries or whoever your point. Uh, and let them know where they're at and what your wishes are. Fantastic. So being out there in, in your practice, what what are you, some mistakes that you've seen with people trying to do this on their own? Yeah, that that's it's common, unfortunately. And and usually at the time when people come in and have these issues, it's it's kind of too late to to fix, unfortunately, a lot of times. One of the top ones I've seen is uh, maybe someone had a trust created and they were either not informed on how to fund or basically place assets within that trust to make that trust of any use. Without funding the trust, you have a shell that has no use really. So that's a, a big mistake I've seen, at least from the, the trust side. As for other people, um, you know, kind of going on their own or finding these online create your own estate plans, which they can work, but you really want to do your research if that's the way you're going. I always advise that you you speak with a professional in creating these documents. It could be sometimes they may have a will that lays out, I want to give to my niece and nephew, but they have their bank accounts set up where there's different beneficiaries or life insurance is different beneficiaries. And the intention was there, but those that niece and nephew now are getting nothing because there's nothing left if there's no other assets. Um, so that's another big one. Um, so, so let me let me interrupt you there because yeah. I, I think what you just said was important. And kind of went over there fast. So, like, so if I set up my will one way and then I set up my beneficiaries another, you know, what happens? Yep. So, if you have, for example, again, bank accounts with a transfer on death or, or pay on death beneficiary, and it's listed as 
a, a different beneficiary than who's listed in your will. Um, and there's no other assets that could be given to the two people listed in your will or whoever many people listed in your will. They're not going to get anything because that designation of beneficiary is going to trump that what that will states. Yeah, that's huge. So if I've got three kids, X, Y, and Z, and uh, I'm mad at Z and I change my will and my beneficiaries are still X, Y, and Z, then uh, then uh, unless I had some kind of short-term emotional uh, feeling from putting there, I didn't do myself any good. <laughs> Correct. Yes, that that is always a, a big concern there. So you want to make sure you're well on top of who you have listed as beneficiaries in, on certain accounts. Yeah, I, I was thinking X, Y, Z. I almost used my own kids' names, but then like I don't want ten years down the road them listening and thinking, you know, <laughs> wh which kid did I pick to be mad at right now? You know, so yeah, but uh, so X, Y, and Z, and then uh, so that brings up a point then. So like we we have this estate planning done, or maybe I did this estate planning, uh, you know, after after my last kid was born. You know, how how often should I update my estate plan? What when does that make sense? Yeah, so I always recommend every three to five years you should revisit your estate plan, but definitely revisit it sooner if there's you know milestones or major life events or really any life event that could change what assets you have or who you would designate as a beneficiary. It kind of bleeding into a common mistake that people run into is if someone has a divorce or gets remarried and they don't update their estate plan, you can run into a lot of trouble. Um, I guess not you more so, but the beneficiaries can run into a lot of trouble uh, when they come to realization that this is an old will and it's designating to an old beneficiary that no longer is around. Um, like so you're giving a lot of money to somebody I don't like anymore. Yeah, you want to be very careful and make sure you update. So so big life events, I always say you want to jump in there. You like know, what kind of life events? Like what do you think are like the main ones? Um, I think it's always interesting to see clients and their approach when their kids are married or, you know, if it's a new spouse, they, some are very protective to say, well, I really want to make sure this goes to my child or so if there is, you know, divorces in the family or remarriages or, or marriages, if there's additional children um, that are born or nieces and nephews, I think it's very important then to revisit and reassess and make sure that your estate plan still is in line with what your goals are. Right on. So you with your practice in Ludington, so are you uh, like a Mason County footprint or like what, what, how big of a, a geography do you, do you serve as clients in? So uh, since I'm, you know, licensed in the state of Michigan, I can go statewide, but that definitely doesn't mean I go statewide. Um, <laughs> right on. <laughs> that'd be a, a lot of work. Uh, but I have gotten clients as far as up as the UP uh, who've come down for estate plans. But typically, I would but say they, they, they came to you versus you you uh, riding your bike up there. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, <laughs> I, it would be a lovely drive or bike ride, but definitely uh, a little lengthy for me on, on that one. Uh, but mostly it's Mason County, Lake County, Oceana, Manistee, you know, the surrounding counties typically is is where the people come from uh, when I'm doing estate plans or really any legal uh, services. Okay. So other than estate planning, what does your firm do? So I have another associate and she is primarily focused on family law. So custody and divorce. She also does some crim defense. We've got those bases covered. I do some type of landlord tenant uh, and some contractual work through the courthouses as well. Uh, they're definitely in need of attorneys. So I'm I'm always willing to jump in and help. And it's it's great experience and it's a, a help to the community as well. So if uh, I've got a 
small business and it's getting bigger and and I'm looking at my LLC and I might want other incorporations. Is that the type of stuff that your practice would do or not really? Yes. Nope. I, I definitely uh, do business law as well. And I look into creation of LLCs, tweaking, adding uh, members definitely have helped many clients around this area start up uh, some some companies and small endeavors. And it's that is a very rewarding and fun part is having them come back later and, and updating me how they're going and and how their venture's gone. Fantastic. So put you on the spot. So so if I could like get you to hone down like one thing that, that you wish uh, more of your clients knew before they walked in the door, what, what would be that one tip of the spear thing that you would like to more people armed with? I, honestly, I think the one thing that I, I really like to inform clients on is you don't have to go into a state plan thinking that you have to appoint every sibling or, or child in a role because it's fair. You you want to appoint the most responsible person in that role. But unfortunately, you know, as some people think, well, they might be upset if they're not appointed. Usually these roles are not uh, an exciting endeavor or or something that's well sought after by any means. It's it's a task, it's a job. So I think that's probably one of the more important pieces that I want people to think about when they're considering estate planning, more of the responsible and not the what is fair and what would make someone happy. Right on, right on. If uh, somebody wanted to get a hold of you, how would they do so? Yep. So you can either contact us at our office. Uh, the phone number is 231-480-1101. Um, or you can contact us online. We have a website as well. Um, that's www.reamerlawpllc.com. Fantastic. So, uh, yeah, man, I super appreciate you coming in today, you know, uh, driving like that eight minutes to get here, you know, so <laughs> so much appreciate uh, your time and uh, thanks for being here. No, I, I greatly appreciate the opportunity and um, happy to certainly give any advice I can out there. So so thank you for having me. Mike, how can people get in touch with you if they have some questions? Oh yeah, for uh, for us, you know, the I've got our team uh, that answers at uh, 231-425-4308. Again, our Main office is 231-425-4308. And if you go to wealthdoc.com, the same name of the podcast, they'll take you to our landing page that's on our business website. So a couple of ways to get a hold of us on there as well. So yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Wendy. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Doc Podcast with Mike Heckman. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Have questions? Visit our website at sobblepointwealthmanagement.com or give us a call at 231-425-4308. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Sobble Point Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. 
past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analyses of Mike Heckman. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, Private Client Services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Mike Heckman or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, Mike Heckman and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.